Norman kicks across field. Let's see what happens here. They go high. Lewis has juggled it, knocked it forward, knocked it back. It's into the end goal. Picked up by Morris, who come back into the field to play. I'll call it back for the knockoff. I think you're fine. Check it. Bevan French, watch the reaction. Watch the... As Josh Morris is closest to the ball, but there is a professional foul from Brett Morris. We have a decision. Brett Morris. Oh, Brett Morris. Oh, professional foul. Yeah, I think that's a tough call from Fuller. He's gone straight through. He goes inside the 40 mile, back on the inside of Pritchard. Pritchard sweeps away from behind. Oh, what a tackle on this, but he's still going to get there. It was Lewis who dived at him. Pritchard scores. The referee will no doubt point to the spot. Tepe Maroa had speared through the middle. And then Peter Lewis will kick into him, but it's uh, hit the feet of Paramount. They streak away with the ball now. They're inside. They won't be catching him. He streaks away, and you'll find that little Mitchell Moses is going to score under the post. Well, they've looked the more likely of the two teams, the Parramatta Eels. The Bulldogs' attack is sort of grinding to a halt. Parramatta looked dangerous every time they got it. On the Harvey Norman replay, it ends up being a little ricochet on tackle five from the Bulldogs that gives Mitchell Moses the 90-metre run to glory. He knocked it on, Lachlan Lewis. They'll try that again. They better do something. We've got two seconds to go. We're going to surrender possession. There it is. That's full time. And Parramatta... Have won the game. Power up! Power up! Power up! Power up! Power up! Power up! Welcome back to another edition of the Power Podcast. This week I'm joined by Birdie. Hey, how's it going? 40. Evening, fellas. Ham. Yep. And I'm your host, Hamish. Uh, good news this week. Paramount Eels got their fourth win of the season. Woohoo! Um, Something to be, uh, well, I guess, proud of, even though it wasn't the uh, greatest spectacle of rugby league. You love them like um, you love them. No, you got, you got to be happy. you got to be happy. You can't be Debbie Downer after a loss. I thought it was a win. Oh, uh, <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right, start again. <laughs> Hashtag All right, so... <laughs> Jumping into it, first grade, Eels 14 to the Dogs 8, Thursday 7.50 at 19th of July, so tri-scorers Kayser Pritchard with um, what didn't appear to be a grounding on first look, but if you looked at it the second time, the ball clearly slides across the, the chalk, and Moses with a try, Moses one from one conversion, Gutho one from one conversion, and Moses one penalty goal. Um, so it looked to play out like every other game this year where we take the lead, we look, you know, not great, and we're struggling to score points, and then the opposition steals it at the death, but Lewis wasn't able to take that ball cleanly, and we held on. And during the game, you know, hate to be it. I want to start off positive and everything, but hate to start it off with the video ref. Um, that's a penalty try to uh, Bevan French, mm. and it was a penalty try to uh, Brad Takarangi. Um, I'm, I'm just going to go out, because if you look through the rule book, it's in the referee's opinion. And now, that's, our that's opinion, of course, is blue, <laughs> is blue and gold goggles. Um, but I think on precedent set this season, the... F- First one wouldn't be a penalty try. The second one wouldn't be a penalty try. But I thought they were both sin binnable offences, and I think they got the second one wrong, where yeah, they thought it was Jack Brett Morris's foot, was as opposed to Josh Morris's wrapping of uh, Takarangi to push him out of the way. Yeah. And of course, it had an effect because he was going to the ball straight on, yeah. but then ended up sideways, and of course, bobbled the try. That was incredible. Um, but really I thought it had a, a definite impact on. And, and in, in all the drama surrounding the sorry boys, but in all the drama surrounding the Canberra Raiders and the Cronulla Sharks with the Sioni uh, Katoa was it Sioni Katoa uh, yeah, yeah. that scored that um, the try. Um, that blooper by the VRF got completely overlooked. You know, everyone's calling for the heads of the the people involved in that game, but. Geez, there's some real ordinary officiating going on everywhere because the fact that no penalty, let alone a penalty try, which you can contend, like Hamish was saying, that it's in the opinion of the referee, which is fine. But the fact that no penalty or simbin was given as a result of an obvious impediment from uh, the Mor- uh, Josh Morris Josh. on <clears throat> on Brad Takarangi, it, it just boggles my mind that we were at that situation. I have more of a problem with Luke Patton being in the, bo- in the bunker ref- uh, officiating his ex-club. Like, there's eight games in a week. You know, surely he doesn't get that game. He gets another game, so... You know, well, I'm pretty just... sure he had the Dogs game the week before as well, so... So, like, I don't know, you know, it's just... Oh. <laughs> it's just you sound it's just... like a defeated man. 
I don't know who's in charge. I, reckon, uh, 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 we'll get into the referees later on. But Jesus, they're like a, you know, they if they were a club, they'd be worse than us. You know, <laughs> more of a basket case than us. You know, and the dogs. But yeah. All right. So we started on positive news. Do we want to continue on some positive news? Yeah. There's um, there's, there is a lot of positive come out of that game. Wait, are we doing the game? We're we doing news. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, uh, po- positives from the game, sorry. Okay. There's no yeah. news this week. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Ham said Tep, so you get into that, mate. Yeah, um, just base it on the edge. You know, that's we've we've tried to sort of um, play him in the middle a couple of times, and I think that's limited his impact. But I think what the um, Dogs game showed was he's still a good edge player. He's still a good edge runner. Mm. He can defend on the edge. If you line him up... Um, with the way Tack has been running at halves, if you get him to say, all right, you know, it's, it's not really the most, um, you know, strong man look to run at halves or anything, but it, it obviously works because he made 140 metres or whatever it was on the edge. If you get him to line up on the edge, line up a half, going to get a quick play of the ball, going to play really well. And that's what he did. I thought it was an absolutely fantastic game by Tep and probably the best um, we've seen of him since the uh, end of last year where he was sort of coming to his own and then starting to heat up. Um, yeah. yeah, had a few head uh, concussion problems. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, hopefully that he can continue on with that and that's sort of what we expected um, in his fifth season in the NRL, more, some more consistency uh, and, with, the, with the running metres. And building on what Ham said, it was an interesting game for Tep because he started the game on the right edge where he uh, constantly threatened to make a big break but couldn't quite do it. There was a number of shoestring tackles, especially inside Canterbury's red zone where, uh, was it uh, the younger Marshall on that edge? I think it might have been, or was it Lewis? That's right. Yep, yeah, Marshall was Marshall on made a couple Lewis of like, right. shoe, like shoestring tackles that barely pulled Tep down. And then when Murata tagged out to bring Brad Tackering into the game, Tep switched to the left edge where he obviously made that really big line break, which was a massive um, influencing factor on that uh, end result of the game because it put Kayser over. But he just looked a handful that game, and the numbers will be inflated because of that line break. But I think most of his touches were pretty good quality. And I think to add on, to, uh, just adding on to that theme about Tep, um, I think what it's highlighted is something that we haven't done this season, which is having multiple players around the ball. Um, because if you see that short ball for Tep to come in, Lewis was attracted by Hain being on the outside of that ball. So it's having mm. those dual threats which open up spaces in yes, between where you're lame. putting defences in two minds. That's right. Um, which, yeah, certainly isn't something we've done much of this season, but it seems to be something uh, that, of course, works against the Bulldogs and hopefully it can work again uh, this weekend uh, if we're going to go back to something like that. But, yes, very good game by Tep. And, of course, uh, Tep, Tep had a partner in crime in the back row. They had a huge game in Nathan Brown, who there was a very interesting um, narrative come out of that post-match presser in that Brown had approached uh, Brad Arthur earlier in the week or sometime earlier that, before that game about playing 80 minutes because it feels like he plays his best football. And BA responded by, you know, challenging him to lift his game in that case. And sure enough, he what knocked out 200 metres off 22 carries and 37 tackles without a single miss. So, you know, we, we needed our forwards to step up. And to be fair, the Dogs did run, you know, not right, but they did push us on our back foot through the ruck. But Nathan Brown certainly played his part in getting the eels going forwards. It wasn't just um, his running metres and his tackles that he made. I thought he made some nice passes just to, just right around the ruck. There was one um, he put on for Hayne just to get on the outside of a shoulder. He sort of made a half-line break there. I think he put on a few for uh, Penny a couple of times. So he was getting back to that um, to the passing around the middle, which, you know, short passes there, it sort of com- makes the defence compress in. Yeah, I thought our middle forwards had probably one of their better games of the season, and I think that's illustrated in the stats uh, when our all runs were 10 less than the Bulldogs, but we made about 40 more metres over them. So um, I think that sort of illustrates it. Uh, Just jumping into the stats, one line break to two. Of course, that line break coming from Tep. 27 tackle breaks each. Uh, Our average set distance was five metres more than the Bulldogs. Kick return metres, 10 less than them. Uh, offloads, Bulldogs, they started off yeah, offloading and then went away from it. I, I don't know what was going on there. Their, their game plan looked to be just play the you know hot potato sort of football and, and it sort of caught us numb with our pants down at the start when they got over with um uh, the Dutch the Dutch name guy, Karen Holland. Uh, Karen Holland scored <clears throat> off, you know, just was about like five or six offloads in that one run of play 
and they just ended up having us for numbers when Alvaro shot up to try and shot out of line to try and make a, a jamming tackle. And yeah, they they went away from that and went back to the really bland, almost uh, des ball that you know we've come to expect from the Dogs prior to Dean Pay uh, taking over this year. In the beginning, like the first 15, 20 minutes, they were making plenty of meters. Like they were making fifty meters each set. So I was like, oh, they're gonna they're gonna go right through us. So you know, um, but there's a moral just... to that for our team yeah. in regards to absorbing pressure, and it was something that we've been very good at in re- uh, previous previous years. And it's something that they've completely forgotten how to do this year. And it doesn't come as a shock to me that we absorb the pressure from the dogs. And yes, they're not a, a you know terribly potent attacking team uh, and obviously another team that's in contention for the wooden spoon this year. But we, we took their best shots, we absorbed it, and then we sort of turned it back with a counterpunch via uh, Tepai. So hopefully the team can learn something from that. But it's a bit dubious given how they've responded to the other wins uh, this season. But let's hope that they do learn you know that sometimes teams are going to have runs of possession against them, and you know they're going to throw some heavy hits, but you just got to suck it up. And Ham touched on in the uh, the preview the difference in the kicking game between the two rookie halves compared to Moses and Norman, and that was pretty evident. Us with twenty four kicks and making over an extra two hundred kick meters, um, forcing two dropouts to Bulldogs one, um, yeah. and our kick diffuser was a lot better. I thought we we contained Hopawati very well at fullback. There were a lot of player. there were a lot of good kicks from our boys. It's like obviously Moses and Norman, uh, especially in the the final ten minutes where they really found range with some like clutch, narrow side you know stabbing kicks that found touch within ten meters. But to my horror, the that ugly useless midfield bomb started to creep back into our attacking repertoire uh, during the mid passages of that game. So I wasn't too happy about that. But when the game got to the deciding moments, Moses and Norman remembered how to work the, um, the corners and the angles. So that is yeah, a bit um, of saving grace. Oops, sorry. You know, I'm, I'm done. You go. Okay. Um, you know, you talk about Moses and uh, Norman's kicking game. What about the one Jared Hayne put in? Oh, <laughs> the uh, the warning leg, on a the warning leg spin. Ball <laughs> on a string. That was ridiculous. <laughs> it, for, for all money, was going out. And then just that, that would have been like Hopper would have been looking at the board, just saying, "Are you kidding me?" Like it, it was breaking to the sideline the entire time, and then it just rolls back in, beautiful. And and Norman used that ball again to put Hopper on notice. I remember his yeah. next ball did go yeah. out, and he had a couple of words to Hopper. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, so I will say though, on that hand kick, that should have also been a penalty because. Um, Moreau was taken out by Kerrod Holland. By Holland, yeah. He did was, that all game. Yeah, I was just about to say he was uh, doing the escorts all game. It didn't matter who it was. He was get he was changing his line every single time, and the touch he missed it. Yet they somehow found a stri- uh, two on one strip oh, when um, he dropped the ball after that Takarangi no try. It was what, about, what about the their first try? They um, cleared the um, the infringements. Like you see, Link. What if his name is Lewis? He turns, he looks at French, and he like drives his shoulder into him. And yeah, Patton says um, the contact because he was behind the the runner. It doesn't it doesn't count. Like it's just they they got away with a lot of shit. It just seems like the dogs. Listen, they're they're handicapped. They're like a, they're like a B grade team, but the referees want to make this entertaining and let's but let's keep them in the game with a couple of dodgy calls here and then because if it's a blowout score, it's not going to be a good look for the game. You know, even though we would like it, but. They're the neutrals. That's why I reckon these handicapped, you know, these teams down at the bottom get these calls. We don't get the calls, but you know, it just seems like they get a lot of good calls. Uh, the dogs. One. Uh, okay. N- enough refs folding. Come on. Boys. One. <laughs> one player. One player that I imagine is going to become increasingly popular fans in the coming weeks, assuming that he keeps getting his shots uh, via injuries to other players in that position, is Reed Marnie. I think the difference between when Marnie's on the field, whereas when King and Pritchard have been on the field the time and spacing that both Mitchell Moses and Corey Norman have to make their plays on the edges is like night and day. And he's a young kid and he's had some problems with the judiciary, unfortunately. But uh, he's making his understated sort of presence in this team just by doing the simple things right around Hooker. And I think that was really apparent when he came on against the Dogs. And just one more stat to be pleased about. Our um, completion rate was up at 89%. Um, So that's something we need to carry on over. Uh, the the balance of the season because we've seen when we're completing below eighty percent things don't go very well. Uh, penalties conceded seven apiece. We ended up making ten to eight errors. Um, so obviously, 
Yeah, I'm not quite sure how that translates to having an 89% possession rate, but there you are. Um, so, good game. Uh, to sum it up, um, although, again, our attack, not the greatest. Our two tries coming off uh, one a break from almost inside our own half, and the second one coming off uh, Moses picking up the ball and, and running 90 metres to score. Um, but, uh, you know, sometimes the ball bounces your way, and you get those sorts of tries. It always seems to be the opposition scores some dubious tries against us, uh, which don't come off set plays, but more a lucky bounce, and we just happen to get that lucky bounce this week. Uh, uh, any other players you want to give a rap this week? Not players, but we need to find a way that when we have the opposition getting their final warning from the referee in their red zone about being sent off, we should probably find a way to get our hookers uninvolved for the entire set after that. <laughs> oh, because, that um, pass from Pritchard. Because oh, Cam, Cam King and Kaiser Pritchard have both... Both um, one the South Sydney and one to the Dogs there made an early error in a set to undo all that pressure, unfortunately. But, but why do you reckon we're throwing forward passes? Do you reckon it's the runner over, you know, overrunning Kaiser, it? In, in Kaiser's case, he missed the play of the ball and went back beneath his feet. He had to reach back and grab it. And by the time he um, put his head up, Penny had overrun the play. <laughs> but and, smarter um, dummy halves yes, would have pulled hold that pass have, and just take the tackle. Would have taken the finger off the trigger there. That's right. And um, unfortunately, Kayser didn't, and there was a well forward pass that was correctly pulled up. Unfortunately, oh, this is this is news that we didn't we didn't mention because it's unofficial, and it sort of ties into the game because he played pretty good off the bench. But um, the media reported prior to the game that uh, Penny Trapper had extended with the Eels for two seasons, I think, and he had a great uh, game yes. off the bench. Oh, that's good. That's good. It's not a, not official as yet, but um, yeah, apparently Penny, when he was interviewed, said he'd. he'd uh, extend for two seasons. So and we've got wrapping up another problem. We've got Sean Lane talking about why he went to Parramatta for the opportunity to play, but we still haven't got an official signing of um of Sean Lane yet. So there's yeah, that. nothing official on Sean Lane or Penny Terrapo. So they're saving them up for a rainy day. Um, been, been, a, been a lot of those this year. <laughs> <laughs> so um, on a day when something big drops, they can drop some names. So the uh, uh, ISP twenty eighteen Jets twenty two. Uh, try scorers Jonas Salmon and Kane Evans getting a double three from three conversions. Unfortunately, not enough to overcome the Jets over the weekend. Uh, yeah, I was, I was out there for this one. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, Kane Evans by far had the best game of the season. He ran over 200 meters. Uh, he got his hands on the ball a lot. Um, played about 60 or so minutes out there. Um, he had to because the bench did absolutely nothing for the team. So. You know, he had to be out there for that time. And I thought, um, you know, g- given he should be the step above reserve grade, this is the game we should be expecting more of him from. Um, so hopefully he has gained a bit more confidence, um, you know, gained a bit more fitness, uh, you know, whatever it was um, that's been holding him back or preventing him from doing his best. He's now shaken that off um, and he continues with that uh, form. Uh, huge congratulations to uh, Dylan Brown and Hayes Dunster uh, making their debuts at 18 and 19 years old. Uh, Hayes started off a little bit shaky, um, getting taken out on a kick return, but then after that was strong all game making, uh, good rucking meters. Uh, I thought he could have scored a try if it wasn't for uh, the centre inside of him who touched the ball when it was supposed to be a cutout pass. He would have gone straight to his chest. He probably would have uh, dived over in the corner. And... Um, Dylan that Brown, centre, I think. Oh, sorry. That centre would have been, sorry, that, that's not Dane Akafar's side, it's the other side, isn't it? No, it was uh, um, Malone, Nathan Malone. Nathan, Nathan Malone, that's what I'm saying, yeah, it, was, it wasn't Dane Akafar. Just, just no, no, uh, Akafar was over on the right. With uh, Brown um, yeah. And Brown, I think the most impressive thing about his um, game was that he made 25 tackles with only one missed. So uh, he's nearly, not, he's nearly not 100 running metres. Yeah, in a casual, yeah, 98 running meters or whatever it was. So, um, And it, it's worth stressing that Dylan Brown is a kid that is a month past 18 years of age. So he's not, you know, a, a late-blooming 18-year-old that's, you know, got the full year of growth there. He is, like, just legal. That sounds <laughs> really bad out of context. But he's, he's barely legal to play um, senior that, that's, football. Um, that's being clipped and put at the start of the podcast, yeah, that's I think. <laughs> just legal. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, I thought there was a couple of times where uh, he could have got the ball in the last tackle or taken the line on a little bit more. But, you know, for his debut game at 18, I'm not going to hold that against him because that will come in time. 
Um, we've, we've seen that he can do that in the 20s, so it'll come. It'll just come with um, getting uh, more comfortable within the team environment. And, and jumping on the uh, the 40 uh, train there, if you if you want to see some more of Dill Brown, check out his Snapchat. Uh, there's a picture from his 18th birthday in a mankini, <laughs> which is sure to um, entice a couple of uh, viewers if you uh, do enjoy the male form in all of its glory. There was actually there was actually a really cute post from his Instagram pic that was um, put up on the net today, because he, he jokingly says he doesn't usually post football on um his Instagram. But he uh, got a picture of him, Hayes, and Oregon in the post-match, or the pre-match maybe, I'm not sure. They were in the Wenty jerseys, you know, just sort of celebrating the event and saying, you know, don't use your post, but I'm here with my um, good mate, Oregon Kafusi. So, you know, making it, making something of it. So, obviously, a little bit of bromance there amongst the young boys, which is always good to have some camaraderie in the footy team. And for Wenty, this marks an interesting turning point, I think, in their season, because they're almost certainly out of contention. They can make it mathematically, but... They're two and a half or even more wins behind the eighth place team now. But they've got a very strong element of youth there. So for the remaining five games of the season, there's some real, real important development to be happening on a micro level for these kids and then on a macro level playing together as a team. Um, we touched on Dylan Brown and Hayes Dunster. I mentioned Oregon Kafus just then. Um, you know, a young prop that's been working on the edges lately to see what he's got as far as lateral explosiveness and perhaps a little, little bit of positional flexibility. And then you've got guys like Ray Stone, who should be returning from injury in the next couple of um, next game or two. Uh, ditto for Celesi Fahinga. And, you know, all of a sudden, these are all kids that are going to be pushing for either a development six spot for 2019, or even in some cases, a top 30 spot, you know, looking to round out some of those lower end depth spots in um, various positions, whether it's wing, the halves, or in the middle of the park, the middle of the park, sorry. So th- there's a lot of interesting stuff to be happening for Winty in that regard in a season that's unfortunately lost yeah um, the 40 you said there um uh development six versus top 30 i think um it'd be a mistake if we don't put dylan brown in in our top 30 for next year Mm. he's just the way he's come on since um you know uh, sg ball last year his first year then he moved up into the 20s and uh i thought really sparked the team into a grand final every Um, every grade that he has stepped up to an age bracket into he has taken a game or two to steady himself, and then he has taken over. He did yeah, it from absolutely. Harold Matthews to SG Ball, and like I said, from SG Ball playing as a 17-year-old in the in, um, NYC, he took that team to the grand final and was you know nearly the best player in that first 20, 30 minutes against Manly before possession shifted. And then now he's playing in senior football in the ISP. So I agree that he is definitely a player that should be under very serious consideration to be the backup half or one of the backup halves that you, you slot into your top 30. And this will be a really fun conversation, I think, for the podcast when we move past round 25 and look at our, um, our postseason, offseason content as to how we're going to construct that top 30 because there are some young kids going to be pushing very hard and there's obviously, you know, whatever signs we make between now and then. But we, I think we, mixed, we messed up our top 30 construction this year and we, we sort of paid the, the interest on that negatively this year with our inability to play and develop certain um, players in a, a lost season. So making sure we get that balance right in regards to youth versus experience because you need a combination of both, obviously, um, will be a really fun thing to explore for us. All right. Well, let's jump in. Talking about youth, jumping into the flag. Uh, a lot of changes in that Eels squad, which uh, completely dominated the Sharks last time. And unfortunately, even though... Uh, stringing together a couple of late tries weren't enough to overcome the Sharks. Eels 28, Sharks 32 at Southern Cross Stadium. Um, so that puts Eels still remaining in sixth position, but a little bit out of the top four now. And they've got to play first um, position Newcastle this weekend. So things just get a little bit harder. It's an unfortunate result looking at it on the stat sheet, but that team that we put up against Cronulla is missing, I, I don't know, I can't even count how many frontline players are now out of that. Ham might be able to say it off the top of his head, but there it's, was, it's um, close to... I went through it uh, on the day, and there was six out of the 17 that I'd sort of consider um, to be first and first or second picked. We're, we're talking starting uh, six, seven, and nine that could have been playing in Reed, uh, Reed Marnie, Jamin Salmon, and Dylan Brown. Uh, also, uh, John Fanua missed out on, on the game, I believe. He was a yeah, game day withdrawal. So that's your entire spine that's been replaced. Um, on top of a couple of other guys uh, like Oregon Confucian. Yeah, uh, wingers weren't sort of um, 
you know, Hayes Dunst, Ethan Parry there, Nile Okafalau's uh, injured, I believe, uh, Celestia Fyinga, Oregon Confuci's obviously playing uh, ISP. Um, so yeah, just a lot of players out. And, and the fact that they're only four away um, from, you know, uh, a top, that's, genuine that's the, top that's four team. been the story of our season is every time they've met a top four team, they've given them a, like a right scare, just they've been missing the cattle to knock them off. If yeah. you were to go back through the season and plot their losses against top four teams, uh, pretty much pretty much every result will be within two or four points that they've lost a game against a, top, a current top four team. So they're right they're right there. Like this is a second string almost at times flag team. They're right there, but they just can't ice these games. So Yeah, no, and if, if you put even in um, two of those players that we mentioned, uh, Reed Marnie, Jamin Salmon, um, whoever, um, you know, they de- I'd easily they'd be top four team, easily. And the thing to note, um, to note here is that every single one of those players that's currently playing ISP is 100% uh, finals eligible for the jersey flag. The only player who would have any sort of doubt is Reed Marnie because I'm not sure on what the formula is for uh, flag versus NRL games because I'm pretty certain at this point he's played more or close to as many NRL games as he's played flag this year. He only played a handful of flag games between um, playing ISP and, and yeah, yeah. whatnot. So, um, what about Jamin Salmon because he's played 11... Jamie, uh, you can, he's completely eligible. Uh, there is no drama oh, okay. from about, at least this is how it was explained to me last year, is that there is no uh, formula or balance of games between Flegg and ISP. Because they're, they're both under the um, the NSWRL, I think they're considered like equal competitions in that regard. So Jamie and Sam oh, can play go. out the entire year. He's already played a game in Flegg or two, but he can play out the rest of the year in ISP and then be eligible for Flegg as far as I know. So if they get to the postseason, which they should, um, knock on wood, they'll be a very potent outfit um, put back together. It's just a matter of quickly bonding that chemistry as you make all those changes, I suppose. Did I, did I kill the podcast? Oh, oh sorry. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, all right, and try scorers in that match were Tapatautai, Sapienza with a double Afu and Field, and jumping into the Ron Massey Cup, Wenty 64 to the Brothers 10. Um, Wenty cementing their top position in that um, competition with 11 tries, our man Bo Henry picking up another double and slotting 10 from 11. And then jumping into the shield, Wenty 50 to Brothers 32. And the Owls got run over by the Rams 38 to 26. And of course, the women's have finished for the season, so nothing to report on from there. Um, well, we don't have too much news this week, so let's just jump into the injured list. Uh, you'll notice if you've already had a look at the um, team list this week that it's missing a one George Jennings. Uh, reason being is he has a ground injury, uh, which <laughs> I <laughs> assume means groin, um, and he'll be back in round 22. Uh, Kirasami other are out with a foot injury round 21. Josh Hoffman, shoulder round 21. Will Smith, hamstring round 21. Raystone, knee round 21. Cameron King, knee round 24. Manu Maru, cheekbone season. Tony Williams, ACL season. Both got ACL season. Two, the, four, six, eight, nine. The club, um, real, the club realizes that this isn't a competition, right? You're not meant to have the biggest injury list by the end of the season. <laughs> oh my god! So I, I, I count there, and this is just going by my own ta- tally: eight from our top thirty, and one development player in Ray Stone. Depending on whether he was promoted into the top thirty, or my count is still in in, in a dev- development contract. But um, of course, we don't have anything um, specific on that. But that that is a that's a hell of an injury toll, isn't it? Yeah, yeah and I guess you know that can go further explaining why, when you look at the Wendy team list, there's not many uh, Parramatta uh, contracted players there. So yeah, yeah they've been um, drawing deeply on their um their own reserves there, the Magpies. Just look at who in our squad has played every game. We've got what two, three players. Like you I think it's down to one now. Yeah, well, yeah. you're not gonna you're not gonna win, you know, multiple games like that. It's just you know it's ridiculous. Well, it's, it's one of the two signature stats of our season is one, the one that Hamish always brings up in the amount of games that we've scored equal tries but lost the game because of kicking and other opportunities. And the other yeah. one is the amount of times that we've had the same or quote-unquote your best uh, 13 or 17 out there. And I think we'd be in the bottom three of the uh, competition in that regard. And we were as far as the halfway mark of the season was concerned. And you contrast that someone like the Dragons that had nearly every game their ideal starting team on the park and once again this is an excuse for how we're going because there's certainly underlying issues that we've discussed uh, ad nauseum on the podcast and elsewhere 
the team obviously has problems that it needs to rectify in those regards. But when you factor in the injuries, when you factor in uh, goal kicking, all that sort of stuff, it adds up very quickly. Like it's a, a mountain of minor things that add up, add on to that, you know, other issues that are in play. And they've been huge for us this year. We've certainly, like, ironically, made a mountain out of his molehills in a, quite a literal sense. Yep, so it's only Manly who's used more players, but of yeah. course they wouldn't play a certain player. Um, <laughs> needed to shift him off to get, um, I think it's Fa- Fainu, is it? Who yeah. plays in there? Um, 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 and just quietly, in um, our fantasy, um, so whoa, the, whoa, the whoa. draft league that we got. Oh, that's um, kind of fantasy. So I, I have Fainu and Jake Friend as my two hookers. Jake Friend has done nothing all season, so I trade him out <laughs> to Captain Fainu. <laughs> and Jake Friend scores like 80 points in, in the first time this season. That, that, is fantasy, that is fantasy football in a nutshell, isn't it? Oh, my God, you poor bastard. Uh, luckily, I managed to still win my um, my matchup this week, but gosh, it's just yeah, it's catch 22. Oh, no, no, I, gave, catch I gave 22. up on fantasy yeah. after round five. When I when I when I brought in Sean Johnson over Cleary and Johnson got injured, I'm like, that's it, I give up. So. Yeah, well then Cleary got injured as well because yeah. I I brought him into my regular fantasy team and then that weekend he got injured. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I've still managed. I, I started off. I think I was in the top twenty after the first round, and I'm still managed to being in the top five thousand overall after about a thousand injuries in my regular team. So. Not, not a great achievement, but better than I thought I was going to go after a couple of rounds. Hashtag humble um. brag. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Enough fantasy talk. Uh, moving into the previews in the Shield. Asquith Magpies in fifth position, taking on the Guildford Hours in seventh. 1 p.m. Story Park, Sunday, July 29th. Uh, then in the Shield, Wenty have a bye. And in Ron Massey Cup, Wenty also have a bye. Uh, there's two games to be played out at Cessnock on Saturday, July 28th. So if anybody's <laughs> looking to take a trip up the uh, M1, you'd have to be back pretty quick to make the first grade. Um, but Flegg Knights in first position, taking on Eels in sixth position, 1:30 p.m. at Cessnock. Um, what do we What do we think here, boys? We I think um, it's done the scheduling really by the New South Wales yeah. Rugby League once again. <laughs> this game should have been played two weeks ago when we played the Knights up at you know Newcastle. You know that. You know, actually made sense. That's what I think. Sorry. So, um, on a on a tier list, where does the New South Wales Rugby League rate against the NRL officiating at the moment? They're probably as bad as each other. <laughs> <laughs> um, as far as the game's concerned, we played Newcastle really close at the start of the season uh, at Ringrose Park. They ended up getting on top of us, as I mentioned, in one of those sort of top four losses where we were just a little bit short in troops and just a little bit short of um, taking the game home. Um, it's not a strong team on paper this week, but it wasn't a strong team on paper against the Sharks, and they took them to the last you know minute of the game. So I'm expecting hopefully a, a you know a strong effort, but getting the two points would be pretty tough, I'd say. Yeah, um, I think maybe the a second week of Dylan Brown and Hayes Dunster in there, they'll sort of be more comfortable than they were, and hopefully they can um, start the game off strongly, whereas. Uh, last week, the first three sets, uh, I think the furthest we got was second tackle before they dropped the ball. So a bit more, bit more, uh, better possession, a uh, bit better handling from the Winnie boys. Um, you know, just a bit more game sense. Um, yeah, the Knights are, where are they first? Uh, in Flag, they're first. Oh, they're nice last. There. Oh, we talk about yeah. Flag, are we? We, we were initially talking about Flag, but you've um, progressed oh, the discussion to yep. ISP. Disregard so cool. what I've just said. It's... No, 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 that's cool. We're, we're in ISP now. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. We can, we can jump over to ISP. Yeah, yeah. So Knights in 12th taking on Wenty in 11th position. Knights with a stack of first-grade players, but they just haven't played anywhere near they should this year. Um, 3 p.m. at Cessnock. Jeez. Jump into it, Ham. That sounds um, familiar. <laughs> not, playing, not playing anywhere um, like they should. Yeah, just... They just need to be a bit smarter. Um... I think the dummy half has let them down uh, yeah. there with Reese Davies and Arana Tomato running there. They're not, you know, as good they're as ma- they They're should. manufactured nines. They're not number yeah. nines by trade. Um, so, yeah, what, what we need to do is, on the on the last attack in particular, I think we need the dummy halves need to be told, uh, get the ball to Dylan Brown. He's the dominant half. Um, admittedly, Dylan should be calling out for the ball 
more um, and louder, calling what he sees. Um, but yeah, with the Knights being 12th, uh, you know, it's a hard one to pick because they've got, uh, there's a few, as you guys said, there's a fair few first graders in there. So it's definitely a tough one to pick. Um, I think when he should be spurred on by the fact that Newcastle are only uh, four points behind them. So with a win, uh, they'll be even closer to the spoon. Uh, so yeah, hopefully our first grade boys and our halves uh, step up and, you know, do finally get a win again. Yeah, and it'll definitely depend on who drops out of the first grade team. Um, and that'll have to be the two that drop out the day before because otherwise they're not going to be able to make the trek. Um, all right, well, let's jump into first grade, which will see the Rabbitohs in... What are they in now? Second or third? Third, I believe. Third position, taking on the Eels in 16th. Um, unfortunately, our win over the weekend didn't propel us into the top uh, out of 16th position, but, but it puts us level with dogs and cowboys and, and one win manly. behind. Yeah, mainly invented the race of the spoon. <laughs> yes, with that absolute drubbing by the Roosters. Yeah, what, what a great week that was. Eels win, <laughs> yeah. Roosters get flogged by 50, and, and Panthers get, get flogged, flogged by 50. And and mainly lost, oh, and mainly lost two. Yeah, what a weekend. that's what I just said. Oh, no, you just said someone else. <laughs> no, you said no, Roosters think, got flogged. You said you, you've got... Oh, did I yet. say yeah. Roosters got flogged? Yeah. I meant Roosters flogged Manly. My yeah. bad, sorry. See? There you are. See? Uh, a Freudian slip. Um, <laughs> if, if anybody wants um, some uh, podcast recommendations, Malcolm Gladwell, um, Revisionist History, he had one episode just on Freudian slips this week, so um, I'd, I'd, I'd check that out. I'll check it's it out. Very good listening. Um, all right, well, let's let's talk about football. That's what we're here to talk about. <laughs> um, so let's jump into the team list. Uh, now, remember, this is a uh, Rabbitohs home game, although there are reciprocal rights for Eels members. Uh, so if you're getting down there, just note on the back of your membership card uh, which gate you should be sitting in and where the um, the seats are for, for the um, away games, which have the reciprocal rights. Um, so 5.30pm on Saturday, uh, 28th of July. Bunny's taking on the Eels. It'll be on Fox, also on radio, and also on the uh, NRL app. Um, but we know nobody subscribes to that anymore. Uh, <laughs> Rabbitohs, fullback Alex Johnston on the wings. Graham and Robert Jennings in the centres, Hunt and Gagai. Uh, with, of course, uh, the old Warhorse and Queensland captain out. Uh, Greg Inglis, he's still injured. Uh, in the halves, Cody Walker, Adam Reynolds in the forwards, Thomas and George Burgess, Damien Cook at number nine, uh, second row, John Sutton, Angus Crichton, and in the 13, Sam Burgess, uh, somehow escaping um, time off. Uh, and well, then did, on did the he bench... Did he listen to Braith? He didn't touch him. Yeah, <laughs> didn't touch him. Oh, uh, you know what, what how really good, shits how me? How good was the spray after the shot, though? Oh, my God. <laughs> and, and the NRO only tweeted out the clean version, but everyone else oh, was worried about the I, other thing. How that, funny was that? Was, Quality mic work by the the Fox or Nine guys on the sideline catching that. That is just top. That is peak NRL. I swear, smashing a guy high and scoring a week see a week a week see next Tuesday while he's sprawled out in the ground. And, um, What'd you say? A week what? See you next Tuesday. Tuesday. Can I just yeah, get to right. one thing that really annoys me by by commentators? Oh, he didn't mean that. That is why we have <laughs> reckless. That is why we have reckless contact. It's, it's literally in the rule book. He's, he's got no form in that regard, Hamish. He has never <laughs> gone and looked in the belt someone high ever. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, oh. All right. Interchange bench. Adam uh, Lebanon legend Adam Dwayhe, Cameron Murray, Jason Clark, and Tavita Totola. And the extended bench is Mark Nichols, Kyle Turner, Dean Britt, and Braden Burns. And then for us, we have um, a change in the back line brought on about uh, George Jennings' ground injury. So at fullback, Clint Gutherson. On the wings, Bevan French and Jared Hayne moving from his centre position out to the wing. In the centres, Michael Jennings, Brad Tacker, Rangi moves from the second row into the centre position. Uh, in the halves, Corey Norman, Mitch Moses, forwards, Daniel Alvara, CSI Vave, uh, number nine, Kaza Pritchard in the second row, retaining his uh, second row spot, Murata Neokore, Tep Maroa, Nathan Brown in the lock. Then on the interchange bench, Reid Marnie retains his position. Tim, well, he doesn't get himself, uh, he, he didn't get charged for anything this week, so he's done well, Reid. Yep. The man can't <laughs> keep him down, Ham. No, so it's still it's better he's went from 100% to the judiciary to only 66%. Hopefully he, had, he gets down he to had, 50% this week. 
he had one siphoning tackle where he sort of flipped the runner around and I was actually worried I was going to get sided because it was like a, a soft driving tackle. But yeah, he had a pretty pretty clean game aside from that. <laughs> Jeez. Was, and to be fair, I don't think we, we, we should have fought both charges. But yeah, his um, judiciary strike rate has been pretty appalling in his young NRL career. Uh, Tim Manor, David Gower, Penny Terrapo. And then in the extended bench, Kane Evans, Greg Lalesi, Wow, Jamin Salmon, Sui Matangi. Um, I, I said when, when the team list dropped on the Discord today that potentially Greg Lalesi Wow coming in with Brad Tangy Takarangi shifting to the, uh, sorry, Hayne shifting to the centres, Greg into, into Hayne's spot, Brad Takarangi to the interchange bench, and David Gower possibly out. That's how I could see things rolling, but yeah, I'm, I'm not quite sure. It's definitely a possibility about... there, the way, you know, Hayne's been playing so well at centre, so why would we move him to the wing? Um, even though the. 11 minutes he played there against Manly. He was pretty good. Um, yeah, I could definitely see a, a change coming in, whether it be um, Lillesio coming onto the wing, or even if we are going to move Hayne to the wing, uh, Jamin Salmon coming in and playing in the centres. The other part about Hayne to the wing means potentially more of Hayne at fullback, or at least in a, a two-fullback look that we yep. sometimes employ. So that that's a little bit of a silver lining to the whole situation. It'll be interesting because then you have Gufferson fullback, then you got like uh, French and Hayne who can play fullback. So during the game, then free can you know switch positions. You know, like it would be an interesting um, play or game if they um, went with that. You know, constantly having them shift uh, around with each other. All I can say is I don't think any of them could do worse than what Josh Hoshman. Josh. Josh Hoffman did in the, the previous encounter with South was on the wing. Yeah. Was it Hoffman? Hoffman yeah. was yeah. part of the, the, the big kickoff uh, between him and Manu. They just looked at it and got oh, the double shit. falcon going. He scored that lucky try by as well. So We had our, our foot in the throats of the bunnies, came out on fire, absolutely tore him up the guts and were looking crisp in attack. And then King does the um, knock on a dummy half when they were about to get a man sin binned. And then uh, Josh Hoffman... They scored. Um, they scored off their first uh, scrum, whatever it is, in uh, inside our yeah, twenty. Yeah, so. the, the the training runs um, attacking yeah. the movements down their left edge. Yeah, it wasn't pretty. So, so we'll have a different right edge, and I was saying it to one of my colleagues who's a a, a um, Eels supporter today. But have a look at that right edge defence, which we'll see. Um, did Hayne play on the left or the right last week? Left. 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 So so that right edge defence will be French. Jennings, um, Moses, and Murata. Um, and as as dumb as it sounds, but having those two players back there being French, uh, sorry, being Moses and Murata, if you remember last time we had Takarangi and Gutherson, um, as dumb as it sounds, but having <laughs> Moses back in that position defending on that edge seems to have actually tightened things up. And I know that sounds a bit silly, but... Um, he he has been making those those tackles whether or not he's falling off them, but that initial contact. sort of contact yeah. to to slow things down. Speed bump. Um, well, <laughs> you could put it that way. <laughs> um, but, uh, he's still yeah. slowing him down, so that's yeah. the <laughs> But I mean the initial contact where there's extra defenders that are coming across, and I thought that was really evidence against the Bulldogs last week when we had a shift on our left edge where our players were, were shifting across, but the inside man was working across as well. When he realised the ball had gone past his man, he was still running behind um, the defensive players in front to make sure that if um, the defence did break down, there was still an extra man there to make the tackle. And I thought we did really well to, to employ those sorts of tactics albeit against the dogs who aren't a great attacking team. Um, but that's something that's sort of been employed with having those regular halves back in the, that, that defensive position on either edge. All right, uh, let's let's jump into a bit of the, the other stuff, which is head-to-head. Uh, 124 games, Rabideau 67, Eels 54. We've got the better of it in the NRL era, noting that the Bunnies, since their re-admission uh, into the competition, haven't been all that great, but for 2014... Um, previous results, Rabbitohs won 42-24 to at ANZ Stadium in round 15. Um, Rabbitohs scoring almost four converted tries a game, whereas we're only scoring a uh, click over two. And Rabbitohs still conceding almost three converted tries a game, but we are also uh, con- uh, conceding just a click under four converted tries um, a game. 
So the Tigers showed the blueprint last week, even though the uh, Rabbitohs weren't particularly good. Uh, but that up and in defence and putting pressure on the uh, halves of Souths and really cutting down the time that they have to run those uh, edge plays uh, seems to be a way to um, beat uh, the Souths and also uh, line line speed, putting them bugger, on the purchases. Bugger the Tigers. We showed the blueprint way back in round uh, 15, 16 when we played them. We know how to beat these guys, just we've got to not do stupid shit, which and is the moral of 20, 2018, really, is that we've been able to go toe-to-toe for all the good teams until we do something stupid. Um, and then we've got to fix up that, um, you know, it's a different different edge now, but that right edge was where we really lost it with um, Robert Jennings scoring his four tries. Now, if we tighten that up a bit, maybe he only scores three. Um, if we if we not <laughs> fall if we not fall for block plays from scrums, yes, yeah. then we should we should be fine. Like seriously, that's. Ugh. But yes, I know, I know Hamish makes a good point about how to play the the bunnies in regards to how the Tigers played. But we've shown that we can go you know up against the great teams of twenty eighteen. I use great loosely because it's a quote unquote soft year. Um, but we just do stupid shit, and it's been our Achilles heel more so than anything. I suppose is just dumb shit. If you want to put all our in, you know get a folder on your, your desktop and call it dumb shit. Just be all the stuff we do every game. That's what it is. You mentioned that we hold on to the ball for 89% of the game or 89% of our sets against the um, dogs. You get into like those sort of numbers against the Rabbitohs and I think you're right in this game. You know, because it means you're not making stupid errors inside your own half like we did against Newcastle. And if you're not turning the ball over in unadvantageous positions, teams like the Bunnies will then have to earn their points. And, you know, that doesn't come easy sometimes. So... Stop making, you know, your own worst enemy yourself. And we'll have a real good chance of beating these boys. That's my rant. I'm done. So a differential penalty from a scrum is is, is what that boiled down to. Was it 40? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just don't let them run their scrum plays. Um, all right. right. Well, I don't know if we're going to go in too much depth. Uh, Reed Marnie, do you want to see him getting some more more reps off the bench? How long did he play last week? Was it about 30-odd 30 30 minutes. 30, odd minutes? Yeah, about 30, 30 minutes, minutes. Ran for 20 metres off two runs and made, uh, I want to say, 25, 26 tackles. With, yeah, with no misses. Oh, no miss, there you go. No miss. And so I think the, the thing that really um, impressed me about Reed Marnie, and even from his first game he did it, he takes on the biggest forward. In in the Cowboys game, obviously they do target him. Yeah, he, he took on Tamalolo to shut him down. Yeah. He took on Sam Burgess and just shut him down. But and Ham Ham knows this too. This is a kid that last year played from the bench for a chunk of the season. Even though he was the primary hooker in that, it's weird. He was the primary hooker in that role, but he'd start off the bench in a lot of games with Denzel Tanisi playing in nine, and then he'd come on in fifteen to twenty minutes and play the rest of the game as a primary hooker. Yeah, despite that. You know, handicap in that regards the playing time. He led the entire MYC in tackles completed um, by a considerable margin by the end of the year. So he's a kid of a really big motor and defense. And the most pleasing part for me when I think about his future for us is that we haven't really seen what he can bring to um to the team with the ball in hand because he's just feeling his way into this team. He's got a couple of senior playmakers that he doesn't want to be overcalling, but. He's a very clever dummy half. He keeps his head up very often, so he's able to exploit the markers, see when there's opportunities to run around the ruck. And he's got a very good kicking game for a young dummy half. So as he comes into his own in first grade, we'll start seeing those various tools be added to his repertoire, or re-added rather. Um, but he's going to make mistakes, and they're going to be important mistakes to make because he needs to know as a playmaking dummy half when to not overplay his hand. So I think getting him more minutes in these next five games or however many games he gets, depending on... um. Uh, roster availability of guys like Will Smith and uh, Cameron King um, is is a huge onus. So yeah, I hope he gets um, upwards of forty minutes this week. Okay, well let's jump uh, predictions. Start with you, Bertie. Yeah, um, I reckon we're gonna win twenty-two to eighteen. Our first try score is gonna be Hain, and um, yeah, I reckon we. I reckon we will keep them scoreless in the first half. That's my prediction. Uh, the head says that the bunny is going to bounce back from an embarrassing loss, but the heart says, fuck that, let's tip Parramatta. So um, the Eels going to win by three tries. Now is Moses going to convert him? Let's say 28 to 10 of a full three maximum, free, maximum, maximum free try advantage from... Um, Moses' boot because I think he's taken over the goal kicking 
except when he's buggered from running 80 metres to score a try. <laughs> and him. Um, whatever I said last week, let's just double down on that. I think it was... <laughs> I can't remember what it was, but that, that score seemed to work for a win. So whatever it was, just um, you know, cut and, cut and paste there. I don't remember what it was. Who was first try scorer again? Hain, I think it was. Yeah, I think he's going to score six. That's right. <laughs> um, yeah, Hain, Hain, Hain for seven this week. Let's try that one. <laughs> Whoa, he's on. He's on the wing, right? So he's oh, it's the end. Oh, who cares? There's only six games left. That's it. Let's have some fun. Give the ball to Hain. I, w- I want to. S- you know what? Forget the seven tries. If he scores one, I want to see the plane pulled out. I want to see. He needs to score. He needs to score one. He needs to score one for a little bit of space because all the tries he scored this year have been like powerful. Yeah. barge overs and whatnot or off kicks he just hasn't had a chance to uh, get the arms out wide after making a big bust so if we get if we get smacked 60 to 4 would you still want to see the plane yep oh god <laughs> I love him I've, yeah I've watched him ever since he was a 17 year old playing Premier League um, back when he used to be called that and I just thought he's one of the greatest players I've ever seen and I think the the Hain plane whether it be the Hain plane or um, Greg Inglis doing his Goanna or uh, Latrell Mitchell doing the Dingo ears. I love it all. I love a post-try celebration. Doesn't matter if you're down 100 nil. Whip it out. I loved Henry Feely doing the coconut. Um, shopping. I love the grenade. I love the bowling pins. Love it all. Need more post-try celebration. Who was the Who was the Who was the archer for the Warriors going way back? Oh, um, oh my God! What's his not name? Not Dane Carlaw, was it? No, it wasn't Carlaw. Um, oh my god Clinton Torpy no it wasn't Torpy though he did a few post-match celebrations um, what was oh, it like Far it might have been Far Yep. yeah, yeah he the used cigar to get the as well after, yeah, he had the cornrows you know yes yeah, yeah yep. Um, that's the man and then um, yeah I'm trying to figure out I have to say my, my favourite was Piggy Riddell's where he scored the try oh. jump the fence and clapped himself, <laughs> clapped himself. <laughs> <laughs> I liked uh, Tahu then, slam dunk Yep. Yeah, yeah that's simple. Right. Big big athletic showcase after scoring the try. Yeah. Yeah, that it's one of those like nice little bits of character that the game sort of lost, hasn't it? I know it went over the top at some points with the, the bowling balls and the grenade throws and it's caused a little bit of drama. But the good post match uh, post match, post try celebrations is a bit of fun. And the NFL's embraced them recently, like bringing them back, so hopefully the NRL can have a little bit of a renaissance there. Yeah, they don't get fined no more, so that's good. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> But the NRL, they never did get fined for doing it. No, just, no, just imagine stopped. it was like a an unspoken missive amongst coaches that you know the players were pulled into line for it because it's not professional. But it's a a good part of the um, pageantry of the game. So hopefully it comes back. All right. Well, I'll give my prediction and I'll put the reverse jinx on it again. Uh, bunnies one to twelve. <laughs> yeah, but it only works when you you've lost all hope, which you had last week. Now the the reverse jinx doesn't work, so we need you to be a little bit more morose and sad. Uh, well, I don't think we've got a flying chance in hell against the bunnies. So that's that satisfied. That's my man. And every time I've get, gone to see us live against the bunnies, oh, actually, I take that back. I, I was there for our round twenty six match last year where we won. I was about to say, someone sounds like they don't want their kneecaps anymore. <laughs> um, but I won't be going live this week. Um, but the last couple of ones, yeah, it's been it's been a drubbing. Um, I remember, I think it was our 2014 match where we had Ken Seo on the wing, and he kept coming in off his wing for no reason when he had his outside man marked. And I think the bunny scored about three or four tries down that edge, and it was just it was painful to watch. Coming in off um, your wing, the Parramatta Eels winger story. That's um. That sums up where we're at with our wingers defensively at the moment, isn't it? But, yeah, um, Kenny Co special. Yeah, he was um, very good at that one. <laughs> all right, well, um, that about wraps us up. Plugs. Uh, I forgot to do uh, poor um, PM last week, but sports first name Buckerheads. Go on there, Wait get off. some Eels gear, get some other sporting gear, uh, whatever you need. Uh, he's still between homes at the moment, so hopefully he'll be back uh, before the end of the season, but we'll see how we go. Birdie. Yeah, Twitter is at um, EvanHeaven1. So as of the time of recording this, uh, 44 days, 23, minutes, 23 hours to the NFL season kicks off. Can't Arguably, wait. I reckon this is the one of the most hyped seasons going because now Cleveland have a chance of winning a game. But um, I'm making a prediction from now. I reckon Falcons are going to win 28 
to 14. And Philadelphia mm-hmm. are going to be irrelevant in 12 months' time. They're going to, wait, wait. The Falcons are going to win what? The first game against uh, Philly. Oh, okay. Don't worry about the football. That's, super you know, that's four months later. Don't worry. I'm talking more, about... More, import- more importantly than 44 days is the fact that training camps start this week for most teams. So yeah. that's exciting. Start getting some information about roster construction and whatnot. And I'm, I'm sure Ham is waiting with bated breath for our reports in the coming weeks about which rookies are starring and who's made a big splash. Yeah. And then uh, and obviously um, after that, the uh, 53-man squad gets... Uh, they get named, so... Oh, that'd be interesting. The, oh, I'll wait for my pod before we move into that uh, segue. We'll jump into it for you. There we go. I'm 4020 <laughs> uh, from the Cumberland Fro. As always, you can catch me and my mate 60s, Mitch, Chris, and um, our various uh, other sort of guest authors that we have um, at uh, thecumberlandfro.com and on Eel, or on Twitter at EelsTCT. And for my segue of the week, we're going to talk about NBA, which we tend to do here and again. We finally got the resolution of the um, Kawi trade. And in a shocker, he got sent to Toronto. Kawi? Yeah, got sent to Toronto, didn't he? And you then, mean um, Kawhi? To- Kawhi, Kawi, whatever. And they sent uh. DeRozan back down to um, San Antonio. So that was a bit of a massive twist after all the talk about LA and Philly and whatnot as the um, the major trade partners. So the NBA has got a little bit of a off-season shake-up and it's going to be interesting to see the formation of the um, various minor super teams as they try and... Uh, you know, race to, to get to the greater arms needed to combat the the monsters, you know, of um, Space Jam Two, in um, the uh, the Golden State Warriors. It's funny how um, he goes. I want to go back to LA. So what does Popovich do? I'm sending you out of the country. I'm yeah. deporting you, mate. <laughs> like, and that's, it's going to be even funnier when he doesn't even play a single game or he gets traded again. So, <laughs> you know, Toronto are happy they go a player, but you know, he might be traded within the next two weeks. So. It's a weird sport, NBA. All the you know the whole yeah, uh, off season is you know they've done they've done a very good job of selling the Hollywood aspect of it in recent times, but yes, it is an odd sport for sure. Okay, and him, oh, I can talk now. Uh, All right. No, um, <laughs> sorry. Um, on Twitter at hamsandwich twenty two. Uh, since we're talking about other sports, I'm not sure how long it is, but I'm pretty excited for the EPL this season. I think uh, my team, West Ham, will be doing pretty well with a few of the signings. I'm pretty sure Birdie's a, a Tottenham Hotspur fan and that um, toilet seat stadium's looking, you know, pretty good. Uh, it's all right. At least we're close to the ground. We're used about, what, 100 metres away? Do you take binoculars <laughs> to the game? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, uh... um, so, yeah, looking forward to, um, you know, hopefully a team can be good, play well for me this year. <laughs> Because Parramatta certainly haven't. Um, band this week, one of my friends' bands released uh, their first album, Fantastic Furniture. Um, it's a weird spelling, but they're a very good band. Uh, check it out. It's, it's a very good album. You can buy it on vinyl too. Right, now I'll wrap us up with at Parapodcast and forward slash Parapodcast on Facebook. Uh what is that? Like, subscribe, smash that like button. <laughs> That's right. And, and a couple of reviews up on, on uh, iTunes also helps. Um, yeah, there's a couple of days till till um, training camp. Uh, Green Bay Packers going all the way this, this year. Does um, Brett Favre got, still play for the Packers? Uh, not for a very long time. He, and he we probably, don't talk about his last three seasons. So. <laughs> Brett, Brett Favre probably thinks he could play for the Packers. The, guy, the guy's one of those... Um, Immortals in his own, like obviously an outstanding player, but he could be a forever playing sort of guy. So what about? I reckon he could probably still sling them. He could throw throw them over their mountains. He couldn't. He couldn't take the shots probably, but he could definitely sling it. The guy had an absolute cannon for an arm, uh, legendarily breaking the fingers of his receivers because he threw it so hard. Does um Aaron Rodgers play for the Packers? Yeah, yeah. We don't mention Aaron Rodgers. Sometimes. When he's not crying on the ground like a little bitch because he's not hurt again. I broke a collarbone <laughs> in my butt. What, what was the score last last year, Bertie, when we played the Cowboys? What what happened in that final? <laughs> how, how, was there even a minute left on the PTSD, clock? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's yeah, okay. You know, we don't verse you this year, so you know I'm happy about that. So. Well, it could possibly be in the post because Cowboys is good one year, shit the next, good one year, shit the next. So you had your shit year last year. The so Canberra Raiders of the NFL. Yeah. Hey, 9-7 is the shit year. I'll take that any day of the week. Yeah, it was pretty shit. Um, 
<laughs> All right, well, let's wrap that up. Um, so, again... Uh, enjoy your rugby league this weekend and fingers crossed for wins across all grades uh, this weekend um, and especially in the first grade so we can get off the uh, wooden spoon and either give it to the Bulldogs Manly or to JT in his last year in wouldn't um, that be sweet in a wouldn't that be sweet alright cheers gents they're running out the pick and song and kicking up